I'm your host, Gillian McMichael, and welcome back to another episode of the Full Circle Podcast. We're continuing our exploration of discovery this season and what it is. And in this case, it's about finding your true self and living authentically. Not many people will deliberately put themselves in a position of being different from the crowd. After all, why would you when society demands that all we try to do is fit in? But what if you weren't living your truth, your genuine life? Sometimes coming out is easy for people. You're young and have time to figure out your true self and figure out identity and sexuality. And sometimes it's not. You're older, married with kids or are tied down by other things in your life. Whatever the case may be, coming out can be difficult, confusing and painful. My next guest is Melissa Rainey, a mother and advocate for coming out. She's making what she calls her mess, her message, sharing her experience and research to guide people in the same position and help them to not feel so alone through the difficult process of coming out in later life. At 36, Melissa slowly began to question her sexuality, but she was in a heterosexual marriage to her best friend, raising two young children. She felt stuck. It was too late to explore anything. She had never really heard of anyone coming out beyond adolescence. She felt alone, leaving her marriage and hurting her family. The price of admission felt too high. But she did it. She fought through for two difficult years and found her true self in the process. And I'm honoured to have Melissa join us today to talk with me about her story of coming out in later life. Enjoy the conversation. Welcome, Melissa. Really glad that you're here in this conversation today. How are you, first of all? I'm doing well, thank you. Good. And you're signing in and joining us from Atlanta. Just a few hours difference uh, between Atlanta and the UK, but I'm really glad that Melissa is with us today. So we are talking still on the theme of discovery. So I thought before we kind of got into the full flow of our conversation, I thought it might be quite nice for our audience just to find out a little bit more about you and what you do. Absolutely. So I am from the Atlanta area, grew up in the suburbs of Atlanta, which in the 80s, 90s, which at the time wasn't the most progressive place to be. My parents were both raised Southern Baptist, which is very much, you know, by the book of being a good Christian and following, you know, Jesus. And we weren't in the church by any means. I'm like, I did not have like religion drilled down my throat, but it was just kind of this atmosphere that surrounded me growing up in the South, the Southeastern United States. And growing up as a kid, I was kind of like a tomboy. I was very interested in boys' clothing, uh, baseball, basketball. I wanted to play with my, my brother's toys, not the Barbies, that kind of thing. But as I got a little older, I started to become more girly and, and bond with my mom over doing pageants. And I started doing acting as a kid. And I kind of found my place through doing that and went on to go to college. I dated boys all through high school, college. Beyond college, I started a job as a TV reporter in Florida. And that's where I met my my husband, my now ex-husband. And it was just one of those things where I was following what was expected of me, you know, to, to go to school, go to college, meet the boy, get married, have kids. And it was when my kids were around two and four years old, I started to realize just how much 
things were lacking in my life. And I, I was, there's just this thing that didn't sit right with me. And then it quickly became apparent that I had uh, misread my own sexuality and uh, started to dive deep on that and ended up getting a divorce a few years later and am now out and living my truth, as they say, in a relationship with a woman, gotten a divorce, co-parenting with my ex-husband. It was the worst, hardest experience of my entire life, but to come out on top now and feel so much better about where I am has been incredible. And now I, I also have a podcast, uh, it's called Lesbian Chronicles, where uh, my co-host and I, Allie, we share our own stories about coming out later in life and, and how we got to where we are today and try to try to help people do the same and mm -hmm. have a positive co-parenting relationship with their ex in the process. That's amazing. Thanks for sharing that, Melissa. And actually, I'm noticing and, and hearing so much more of people coming out in later age. So uh, obviously, you said it's been like most probably the hardest journey that you've been on, but also where you are now, it's such a, you know, you're, you're obviously really pleased with where you've got to. But how did it start to come about for you? When did you start to notice? I mean, obviously, you'd said from being younger, but obviously, then going through the motions of just everyday normal life, and I suppose, falling into the expectations, maybe of what others might have had for for that sense of, you know, marriage and kids and so forth. What was the turning point? Can you remember? I can remember the exact turning point for me. And it's it's kind of a funny story. I was watching Saturday Night Live. This was in 2016. Donald Trump had just won the presidency here in the US, which I was, to say the least, surprised and devastated all in one. And I was watching Saturday Night Live and Kate McKinnon, one of the main comedians on the show who had spent the entire election performing as Hillary Clinton. She did the opening of the show performing again as Hillary Clinton, but singing the song Hallelujah by Leonard Cohen, who had passed that week. And I was watching this and it was just a very dramatic moment, very outside the, the realm of SNL. It, and she was just so beautiful playing that song and so passionate. And I'm like sitting there watching this and I'm like, who is this woman? You know, I didn't know much about her. And so I Googled her and I'm reading about like, oh, where she went to school, all these things like. And then I see that she's she's a lesbian. And I was like, how? Like, how is that beautiful, talented woman so outside of what I've seen throughout my life as to what a lesbian looks like? And I thought to myself, I would date someone like that. And it was one of those things that I think for some people, sure, they have that kind of thought, but it was a thought that sat with me and it really resonated with me about like, you know, how, how am I, what have, what have I been doing my whole life? What do gay people look like? You know, who's to say who's gay and who's not like just on the surface level. And it took a few months for me to really, truly start to do the deep dive, but it was within I'd say eight months, nine months that I started to talk to my, my husband about it and then decided to pursue going to therapy to try to explore what was going on in my head. How did your husband take it at the time? Was that quite a shock for him? You know, I don't think it was initially a shock to either of us because it felt so minor initially. It kind of just felt like, okay, like, that's interesting. Like, I actually do have an attraction to women, but I labeled it as bisexuality at first. And it didn't feel that threatening at first, uh, but as I as I kind of undid things and 
reflected back on on who I was throughout my life and who I was who I was at my core and who I was trying to please that I, I really started to do more self-reflection and realize that while um, I have had an attraction to men, that that attraction is very surface level and that I have a much deeper connection to women. Yeah. And it's interesting, that sense of deeper reflection, because I think that's kind of quite an important piece of work, isn't it? That journey that you have to go on to connect to that deeper, that deeper sense of self. And, and obviously it sounds like you did that. How did the therapy help? In, did it help? I'm assuming it helped, but how did it help? You know, the therapy, it did help. Biggest thing that helped me, though, in therapy was the fact that that therapist ran a group for women coming out later in life. And that allowed me to connect with women who were just like me. Um, and that's actually where I met my co-host, Allie, for the podcast. And it was one of those things, like initially when I was coming out, I could find little to no information about people that had come out later. And I initially was like, I'm the first one. I'm the first idiot that didn't think to come out when they were 16, you know? And I felt very alone and like that I just... I was like, how, how have I been so oblivious? But then going to group and seeing that there's people just like me that are just now having this realization or they had the realization years ago, but they didn't feel like they were able to live that. Um, it wasn't safe to do so. And they were now kind of addressing those things and, and finding, finding a way to come out. It made me feel so validated and that what I was thinking was real. You know, there's a, your brain plays a lot of tricks on you. You know, it's constantly trying to, to invalidate your own thoughts. And that's, that's just what I was going through. Um, I, for a long time, I was like, God, do I have a brain tumor? Is this like some form of like super delayed postpartum depression? I, I did everything that I could to reason with myself outside of just accepting the fact that I was gay. And how long did that journey take? Because obviously you had the initial conversation, you then went for some therapy, but also this other exploration that you did as well. But how long did that take before then that was, yeah, this is definitely who I am? So from the time that I actually opened up and talked to my husband about my sexuality to the time that we got divorced was around 16 months, which is a very short span when you take a step back and look at it, um, because that was like the actual finalized divorce. And now... In 2016, when I watched that video of Kate McKinnon, I, there's no way I wouldn't have believed you for a moment if you told me that two years later I would be divorced. That's not, that wasn't even in the realm of possibility when I, when I started thinking about this. But it, it, as I was doing the processing and, and reflection too, like I said, when I was a kid and I was just very, I was very much a tomboy. Now, does every tomboy turn out to be a lesbian? No, that's not the case. But I am able to reflect back now and see that that was always in me, but I was just trying my hardest to fit in this, this box that society had created for me. And it's interesting because you obviously when you describe when you grew up, obviously in that kind of more traditional sense, there was the church and everything. I mean, how then did you, I mean, I don't know, are your parents still around? Did you, how did you approach that then with, with your parents as well as your children, I suppose? Because there's not just your husband that needed to be included right. in this. Yeah. And that's the whole thing. Like there are so many hurdles in this that it feels impossible. And I remember initially thinking like, there's no, like, okay, sure you might be gay, but there's no way you can tell your parents mm -hmm. this. Like, and my parents are conservative with their political views. 
And so I, I very much thought that my relationship was with them was going to change. And honestly, I don't even, it took me a while to even get to the point where I felt like I could tell them. But when my husband and I separated, there was a lot of questions from my family because they didn't get it because we were a good couple. We didn't argue. And my mom was pressing me a lot. You know, she, we'd been separated for about two weeks and she's texting me like, I just don't understand. So I text my sister and my sister had been very kind to me because she had been through a divorce before. And she said, no one, it's no one's business what's happening in your marriage. You can like, you don't have to share with anyone what's going on which felt good to me. But at the same time, I'm like, how much longer do I keep this off, like inside? And mind you, at this point, I've also lost about 15 pounds. I'm stressed to the max. And so I decided to tell my sister that I was questioning my sexuality. And she was so sweet to me. And that actually took me by surprise. I thought there was gonna, you know, be some backlash. But she was just like, she wanted to know if she could buy a pride flag, all these things. And all I did was say that I was questioning my sexuality. You know, I was like, I just don't know what I'm going through right now. But I was like, I'm having a really hard time. And I was like, and I don't know how to tell mom and dad this. And she was like, well, I could talk to them for you. And I was like, perfect. <laughs> you know, and I had never considered that. I always thought that coming out had to be this big presentation. And you had to do it in person. There was all these rules around it, you know, that you had to do so many things to to make that other person feel comfortable. I don't know. But I, it was then that I realized that there is there's no rules around this. I can do it however I want. And if I need to come out through my sister, then and that's what's safe for me and that's what feels good for me, then that's what I'm going to do. And she she called them. She told them what I was going through and she was able to kind of cushion the blow, I think, for them. And she texts me back and she's like, I told them they, they're okay. They're a little, they're upset, of course, because they love my ex-husband. And it was, I didn't expect to hear from them for a while, but they actually both sent me texts that night. And my mom said that she loved me before I was born. Why would she stop now? And my dad just simply texted, your daddy is with you. And like the weight that came off of me in that moment was unbelievable. And it was this weight that I didn't realize was related to them. I thought it was just in general of what I was going through. But once I knew that they still loved me, it was, it was like I had permission to move forward. And it, it's, it's unusual, I think, for some people because I, at this point, I'm 37 years old. I'm completely financially independent of my parents. I don't need them. But you still need your parents, no matter what your age is. And it's one of those things that, you know, I, I feel so deeply for teenagers that are going through this, who are financially dependent on their parents, who do need them to, to even have a place to live and to, to have that fear of coming out and not knowing their response when parents in that situation, all you have to do is, is love your kids in that mm -hmm. moment. It's that simple. Yeah. And obviously such, it, it sounds like that was so pivotal in your kind of, as you said, as your growth and movement forward. And I think you're right. I mean, yes, you're 37. You didn't need to have that permission from your parents. But at the end of the day, it's what you said. You wanted a relationship with them. It's not as though you didn't want to have a relationship with them. I think it's so important. And it feels like that was a really kind of yeah, a really important moment in, sounds like, all of your relationship as a family as well. And it must have been really nice hearing those words, especially from your, your dad and your mom. It must have been really 
lovely to hear those words. And so how did it go with the children? How did they accept? So with my kids, by the time I, I started to separate and come out, they were only three and five years old. Right. So they were young. Um, however, and, and I don't know how I thought to do this. I, I, was, I always considered myself a big ally for the gay community which is funny to me now, but I remember telling my daughter when she was around three about same-sex relationships. And now I didn't use any terminology. I didn't say gay. I didn't say lesbian. I didn't mention anything about sex. I simply told her that a man and a man can be married and a woman and a woman can be married. And those couples can have children and they can be a family. And I, I also equated it to the fact that, like, some kids are raised by their grandparents and some kids are raised by an aunt, an uncle, you know, and that families look in different ways. And so they had an understanding already and a foundation of that being normalized. And it, I didn't come right out when we were getting a divorce and say, we're, we're well, for one, I didn't use the word divorce. I never used that until recently when they they learned the word just from classmates. We simply said that we were not going to be married anymore and that we were not going to live in the same house anymore. Now, my daughter, who was five, she did cry when I when we told her that. And I think it was more so scary to her about where she was going to live. But once things were established, I mean, we didn't we didn't miss a beat really with moving out of our marital home, each of us moving into new places and them sleeping in these new homes. They, they both adapted so well and handled it really amazingly. And, I, and I've always just kept the door open for them to ask questions. And I, I share with them about um, now about my sexuality and that I'm gay and what that means. And just kind of, I also reiterate the fact that you're free to change your mind. And, and you're able to make choices. And just because you've made one choice doesn't mean that's a permanent choice for the rest of your life. And they are um, seven years old now and nine years old. And they are just amazing little humans. They're so accepting and loving. They love my girlfriend now. They, they want to go to Pride in Atlanta this year. They have big plans Fantastic. to go to the Pride Parade. <laughs> I was going to show my, my daughter actually made, oh, here it is. My daughter, it's not a perfect Pride bracelet, but she made me a bracelet Still, just yesterday a <laughs> with a rainbow. Mm -hmm. So Amazing. So it feels like th that journey, there's been lots of lessons learned. And I know that you advocate now and support others, don't you, going through similar situations like you did. So I wondered if you could tell me a little bit more around the work that you do now. And you obviously got your podcast, but the other things that you offer as well to support people going through this change. Sure. I do my best to share my story wherever possible, because when I was coming out, I felt like I was so alone. I felt like I was the first. I felt like I was the only one. And I just want people to know that this is normal. I want them to know that it, while it's not an easy process, it's a doable process. I offer one-on-one -on -one consulting for people that are coming out to, to kind of give them guidance on, on how to move forward because it is such a, a difficult process. There's so many hard conversations to have. So I, I, hop on the phone with people and just kind of they tell me wh where they're at in their process and I, I tell them like okay these are the next steps to take you know tell tell a close friend um, someone that you trust open the conversation with your husband and I I tell them some tips too on what I, I think one of the things 
for men in these situations is that it feels emasculating, you know, that they are being left because their their wife wants to be with a woman. It feels very emasculating to them. And the fact is, it's not. It's truly not. It's the, the fact that they are a man, you know, that's the issue here. Um, and so I, I try to help them guide those conversations. I'm also working on uh, a book to kind of share pe with people how, how to do this and how to accept. Because there's, there's a lot of guilt and shame that comes with this process mm -hmm. and a lot of undoing from your past that has to be put into it on top of having these hard conversations. Yeah, I can imagine. And so I'm curious around then when you look back on that, that journey and as we're talking around discovery, what would you say the key important points are or things that people should be considering when they're going to embark on a journey like this? Because as you said, it's, it's not an easy one, but it's a doable one. Right. I think it's important to, to look back on the decisions that you've made in your life and, and what, where those decisions stemmed from if they stemmed from trying to please your parents or trying to please your classmates, trying to fit in, trying to uh, follow what you were taught through your church or through your religion, and, and kind of taking a step back and saying, what, what decisions am I making for myself and because I want them? And what am I deciding for other people? One of my favorite quotes is, don't set yourself on fire to keep other people warm, because that's what so many of us are doing. And you're not responsible for other people's feelings. And yes, this is going to hurt people's feelings, but that is their responsibility to figure out and navigate and how they process that. I really feel like the only person's feelings that I'm truly responsible for are my kids. And it's just that I give them the guidance on how to process those feelings. Yeah. And I think that that point, just the final point there around you're responsible for your children's feelings, but actually you're not responsible for how others are with you. Right. And and yes, this is it is a shocking conversation to sit down and tell your husband that you were gay or that you were questioning your sexuality. That's a hard conversation to have. And that that other party is going to be, it's going to hurt their feelings. It hurts. It sucks. Um, and, and you can be a soft place to land for them. But it's not your responsibility to take the hit, you know, and I encourage anyone that I consult with, I encourage for them to be talking to a professionally uh, licensed therapist. And I encourage their spouse to do the same because there are so many aspects to this that they need to understand and to know that it's not their fault. You can be the best husband on the planet, but your wife is still going to be gay. It doesn't, it doesn't mean you didn't take the garbage out enough. And it's interesting, isn't it? Because that must be very, it, it, I can imagine it is very difficult for the, the, for the spouse feeling rejected in that sense. But as you said, it's not to do that. There's something just, just fundamentally not right in terms of the sexuality. There's nothing wrong with maybe even the relationship, maybe. It's just more around, you know, what's driving you inside. And so it's really interesting because it feels to me like this has been a journey of you genuinely coming home back to your true self in many ways and, and how, you've, how you've gone through that kind of journey of self-discovery. Why do you think it's, just from your own experience, why do you think people stay rather than come out? Because it's hard and it's scary. Yeah. And our instinct, our human instinct is to stay where it's safe. And a marriage, especially, or a long-term relationship, it feels safe. You know, you, it's predictable. You know what's going to happen the next day. You, you're you're financially secure, right? That's a big one. You, you've 
in, in so many ways emotionally secure. You don't have to risk putting yourself out there. And a lot of people, they're, they're afraid to come out because they don't want to be alone. Um, it's the same thing with when the, when the spouse resists your coming out. It's because they don't want to be alone. And it's scary. It's scary to go back out there and date and do all those things. Um, but it's one of those things that, like, once you get through it, it's so, it's like this massive door opens for you. And I, I think about how, you know, I was, I was happy in my marriage, but I was not fulfilled. Yeah. There's um, a difference, isn't there? Yeah, there's there is a, a big, big difference. difference. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, and now I, I feel fulfilled. I feel like I, I have my, my own life and my own voice and I, I do so much more for myself. Um, I started writing again creatively, which is something I stopped doing years ago when I was in college. And I, I finally found the courage to start doing stand-up comedy, which is something I've wanted to do my entire life, but I just felt too scared. And I told myself, what's more scary than telling your conservative parents that you're gay? So like now I feel like I can do anything I want. Mm -hmm. It's really interesting, isn't it? And that sense of finding your voice. And, and if you think now about what that voice is, how would you describe your voice now versus to what it was? I think my voice now is far more honest. I'm living my life and speaking in a way that I'm not so worried about who's going to, you know, reel back at what I say. Now that, that makes it sound like I'm running around throwing insults. I'm not. <laughs> It's just more so of like, I, I'm not having the surface level conversations I used to have. I'm having deeper conversations, more meaningful conversations. Um, and I'm more in tune with myself. And, and that's, that's largely in part to the self-reflection that I've done. Yeah, lovely. I really like that more in tune with yourself and that sense of being honest, because um, I think it is difficult, especially when you've got, like you said, other people's expectations, but it feels like you're, you're really in a good place. So tell me, I'm just being really nosy now, but what was it like when you started to date then for the first time as your um, true self? It's How was that experience? <laughs> I hear so many women say like, I'm done with men. Like, I'm going to mm -hmm. start dating women because that's going to be easier. It is not easier. <laughs> So that's um, a myth then, right? Okay, so let's, let's demystify 100%. that. <laughs> a myth. Um, because it's funny because I've kind of realized like, oh, I was able to be married to a man because we're both kind of like male presence in our brains. Like I just wasn't on that emotional level. And then to go and date a woman who suddenly like, well, why did you say that? Why did you do that? And I'm like, it just, I just did. Like I didn't, I, I didn't think about anything behind that. And meanwhile, it's being dissected by this other party whose feelings have been hurt because I just wasn't self-aware enough to realize what I was saying could be hurtful. And it's interesting, too, because to get into dating women is not easy. It's like a lesbian. They want like a resume and references before they'll go on a date with you. You know, they, they to have that first lesbian experience is like trying to find your first job out of college. So it can be difficult. You know, but once you break your way in there, it, it, you're all right. And it's been nice, too, because I know that a lot of people, when they come out, they lose people. You lose friends. Sometimes you lose family. But the LGBTQ community is this whole family in itself that that they do just bring you in. And I can be in a room full of people at dinner with a, a, a 12 people. We have nothing in common. We don't work in the same industry. We don't come from the same background. The only commonality that we have is that we're all gay. 
but we're all sitting there and we're having a great conversation. And these are all people that I can reach out to and say like, Hey, I'm having a hard time and they're going to help me. It's amazing. So there's, there's such a gift in that, you know? Yeah. So what's been the biggest lesson that you've learned through this process? Oh, that's a hard one. The biggest lesson that I've learned is that keeping things inside and staying in a stuck place is far more damaging than taking that scary step forward. I I think back on who I was during that time when I was trying to process all of this and how I was like a shell of a human being. I I wasn't a present parent, you know? I wasn't a good wife to my then husband. I, I just was checked out. And it's easy, it's easy, like I said, to stay in the safety. But if in the process you're destroying yourself and not being present to these other people in your life, then what's it for? And, and so often, too, people are like, but this is going to hurt my kids. But the fact of the matter is your, your kids deserve a better parent than what they're getting from you in that situation. Yeah, it feels really powerful. And actually that that kind of just that sense of, you know, you could stay in that kind of comfortable place, but actually, but not if it's destroying you. And I think that's a really, it's a really profound statement, because that's not just in this kind of situation, but other scenarios as well, which I think people can just really take stock from. But I think you're right about the kids, you know, I got divorced when my son was about six. And I think that kids are very resilient. I think kids are very accepting. And I think you're right. I think why stain something when actually you have two potentially unfulfilled parents and instead then if they separate, you can have more fulfilled parents and better better parenting, a better happy home. That's one thing that I heard too in this journey that really helped set me free was that it's not the divorce that hurts the kids. It's the, the conflict that's happening that hurts them. Living in that household that is intense, or if there's fighting going on, that's where the damage happens. It's not the divorce itself. And also how you handle things post-divorce. I don't have anything negative to say about my ex-husband, but even if I did, I would never say that in front of my kids. I never use my kids to, to weaponize, you know, bet- anything between us. I only want my kids to hear me say positive things about their dad. I never want when they go over there to be like, oh, you had your dad gave you, you know, ice cream for dinner again. You know, that kind of thing. There's no negativity there. Um, It's amazing. And I I want them to be happy and safe and loved. And if anything, we've brought more people in their life to love them. Uh, My my ex-husband has moved on. He has a girlfriend. They've been together for three years. They live together. She has a daughter. And all of us get along so well. We went to a festival the other day together for Mother's Day. So it's, it's, it's like when you put a positive spin on it and you let go of any kind of negativity, your life is just so much more freeing. Absolutely. I would completely agree with that. That's amazing. Thank you so much, Melissa. That's been such an interesting conversation. And thank you for sharing your journey with us. So just before we go, there's a couple of questions. First one is, again, if somebody is coming out late in life, if they were to do one thing, what would you suggest that they do? Listen to my podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so get, yeah, so get all the tools, yes, the, the tips I, and techniques, yeah. Mm-hmm. I would say, yes, listen to my podcast, Lesbian Chronicles. Another great resource that really helped to let me, help me to let go of the guilt and shame is um, Brene Brown. Mm. She has several books, one of them being Daring Greatly. 
and she's there's tons of podcasts where she does interviews, videos on YouTube, and she just is a brilliant, brilliant resource for letting go of, of what other people think. Amazing, amazing. So the Lesbian Chronicles, where else can we get hold of you if people want to find out more about what you do and the work that you do? Absolutely. I have a website. It's uh, melissarainey.com. Melissa is spelled M-E-L-I-S-A, one S, and Rainey is R-A-N-E-Y. Or you can follow me on Instagram, which is Melissa Writes, W-R-I-T-E-S. Um, and I'm, I'm fairly active on Instagram, so that's probably the best way to try to reach me. Perfect. Brilliant. That's amazing. So thank you so much for your time. It's been great talking to you. Thank you. I appreciate it. Feeling alone and lost is something I can relate to. And in my book, Coming Home, I share how my experiences of being lonely and feeling as an outsider really had a huge impact on my life. And as Melissa was talking, it really got me reflecting upon the need to have a good support structure around you like she did with her family. Her sister was that bridge between her and her parents and how honest you need to be. But to have those honest conversations, you have to be really brave. You have to really listen to what's calling you from inside. And what I liked about what Melissa said in particular was that you know, she wasn't responsible for how other people responded or even reacted to her. And through that process, knowing that, she found her voice. And when she started being honest with herself, she became in tune with herself. What I also reflected on was something that was similar to my marriage and separation with my ex-husband, was that, you know, you can create a home, but if the home is unhappy, i.e., the two people in it are not fully fulfilled, or even if one person's not fully fulfilled, then it has and could have an impact on your children. And I think that sense of it's okay to be comfortable, but not if it's destroying yourself. And I found that really, really profound. So please reach out and listen to Melissa's podcast I'm sure she's got lots more tips and things that she can share with you that will be of great interest. I certainly enjoyed this conversation and it just resonated with me even more that living a life of authenticity is so important. But to do that, we have to be brave. So until next time, be true, be brave and be, most of all, just yourself.